Uh, and we pick back up at verse number 10. We've been talking about armed for battle. Everybody say armed for battle. Ephesians chapter 6, and we're going to start reading at verse number 10. Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 10. A final word, be what? Strong in the Lord and in his what? Mighty power. What did I tell you on last week? The Greek word for strong is indunamio, okay? At word end, and dunamis means explosive power. That's deposited into some type of container. And we are the containers that God wants to deposit his awesome power into. Can I get a witness? So and find, be strong in the Lord and the power of his, his mighty power. Next verse says this. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. And he does these guys. That's designed to trip you up. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. Text says this, therefore put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Text says this, stand your ground, put on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that, got, that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. Next verse says this, in addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Text says this, put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Next verse says, pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Everybody say, all believers, everywhere. Praise God. Now, last week we talked about the girdle of truth, um, and we expounded on that quite a bit. And we gave you a picture of what happens uh, in the spirit realm when we look at the book of Daniel. Now, let's go to this next uh, uh, weapon that we must have. And uh, Jay, if you would, pop that picture back up of the uniform that a Roman uh, legionnaire would would actually wear because I want us to get a tangible picture because as Paul writes, I told you on last week, he writes using analogy and, and sim- symbolisms that were familiar to the people of his day so that he could open the eyes of their understanding to the things that they cannot see and that they were not familiar with. Jesus did it quite often through the use of parables. He would utilize something that they were familiar with, come on, in the everyday goings of life and use that to teach a spiritual lesson to get them to understand gospel truths. I've said before and I'll say it again, you cannot understand the things of God using natural means. As a matter of fact, the Bible says, I believe it's over in 1 Corinthians, it says the things of God are spiritually discerned. A natural-minded man who's unborn again or a carnal-minded Christian who's saved but is not growing cannot understand truths. That's why you can have somebody sit up in the church, been there 30 years, and don't even know how to lead somebody to Christ. You have somebody sit up in the church 30 years and, and, and cannot grasp spiritual concepts because they are not understood through natural intellect. It is the Holy Spirit that embarks and opens up the word of God so that we can understand what God wants to say to us. Can I get a witness? So everybody say, I need to depend on the Holy Spirit. Now let's get back to Ephesians 6 and verse number 14. Let's go to the KJV if you would, Jay. Ephesians 6 verse number 14. Watch this. Are you there with me, guys? 
If you got your Bible, turn it nice on the screen. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness. Now watch this. If you saw that image of that Roman soldier there, the breastplate protects our hearts. Amen. In Proverbs 4, 23 from the NLT, we are warned, guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. Proverbs 4 and 23. Can we pop it up right quick? I want, to, I want us to read it together because remember I told you on last week, it is critically important for us to learn how to read scripture out loud, to hear it audibly so that it, it, it resonates and has greater impact in our ability to grasp it and understand it, right? So even when you're reading your Bible at home, it's, it's a good idea not just to read silently, but read it out loud. Hear the words coming out of your mouth. Words are like spiritual containers, and they have the power to produce, amen, amen, God's move in your life. I told you on last week, a positive word can uplift a child, whereas a negative word can beat down a child. All right? You may say, well, they're just words. How many of y'all grew up with the old saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will what? How many of y'all know that's a lie from the pits of hell? Words will end up killing a person's spirit. Words spoken in, 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 in whatever fashion, in the negative fashion, can end up wounding an individual for a lifetime. So words are important. Everybody say words, words. are important. Watch this. Okay. Are you all ready to read now? Are you ready to read? When you come to EBC, it is a participatory service. And I love for participation when we're bringing the message. All right. So are you all ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? I didn't hear you. Are you ready? Yeah. Let's read together. Say what? Guard. For it determines your heart determines the course of your life. Now we saw in the New Testament where out of the heart comes a lot of stuff that's not God honoring, right? So we got to guard our hearts. Our success in the spiritual life depends on maintaining a right, a right heart relationship with both God and man. I got to repeat that. Our success in the spiritual life depends on maintaining a right heart relationship with both God and man. I'll tell you something. I used to be the type fellow that said, well, you know, hey, I'm cool by myself. I don't, you know, I, I don't need to hang out with anybody. I mean, I'm just, I, I'm okay with just, just being me. Me and Marari, or even sometimes me by myself. Sometimes, how many of you guys uh, have had one of those Saturdays where you were at home by yourself and your wife was out shopping and going and doing whatever, and they left you there to do nothing? How many of you guys love do-nothing Saturdays? I need some hands raised up in here. I need to come to this side over here. If you're not afraid, brothers, how many of y'all love do-nothing Saturdays where you're not asked to do anything? I got some hands raised over here. Some of y'all are like, is my wife looking at me? But I, 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 I'm okay. I used to say I'm okay being by myself until I understood God's purpose and plan for my life. Being by myself is not okay because God can't use me to impact somebody else's life if I'm all by myself. 
If I stay to myself, if I never interact with people, if I never build relationships with people, if I never pursue authentic community, then I cannot in true conscience do the will of God. Because part of my will is that God's with my life is for me to reach somebody with the gospel message. How am I going to reach you if I never interact with you? So, so for all, all of you introverts, all of you, I can be by myself type people, let me tell you something. God says, okay, yeah, you can be by yourself, but I need to use you to get out of yourself and go reach somebody for me. And you can't reach somebody for me if you're all to yourself. So he called a guy like that, a guy like that to preach the gospel, to pastor a church. He called a shy guy like me who didn't say a whole lot coming up in school to get up here and try to preach to you for 45 minutes. I, I, I don't think I ever struggled to do that. Because guess what? When God has a calling on your life, he'll take you out of your natural element and utilize you to do something that the people who you know say, I can't believe he did that. Or I can't believe she was able to accomplish that. I can't believe that because everybody tends to look at you based off what they knew back then. But you're different now, right? On yesterday, we talked about life transformation. And see, when I look over the scope of your life, I can't judge you based off of what I knew 15 years ago about you because God's gospel message, the redemptive power of the gospel has the ability to change a man or a woman from the inside out. So all of us should be on a progressive growth pattern to where when we look back over our life, we can say the things I used to do, I don't do no more. The places I used to go, come on, I don't go there anymore. Uh, and this, the way I used to talk, Mama Kirk, I don't talk that way anymore. That's the inside joke for those who were there at the film yesterday. I don't talk that way anymore. Because, see, listen, we have a, a, a bad habit of, of, of pigeonholing people and, 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 and looking at them based off what we saw at one instant in time. I thank God that you don't judge me based off of what, what I may have did 20 years ago. Because you may not like me. If I knew your junk, I may think different about you. But I don't now because I understand we all are a work in progress. Everybody say, I am a work in progress. And there's a song that's saying, please be patient with me. God is not through with me yet. When he gets through with me, I shall come forth what? Like pure gold. But again, he's not going to get finished with me until I see him at the rapture, the catching away of the saints. So let's keep it moving. I got to keep moving. So, so the kind of righteousness that God looks for is not just intellectual assent to doctrine. Because a lot of us study the word of God, but many of us are not doing the word of God. Remember what I told you? We, we, we covered this at the marriage retreat. You can study marriage all day long, but until you start doing the stuff that you're studying, there's no victory. The blessing is in what? Say it again. Say, the blessing is in the doing. The scripture says, be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own self. So the blessing is in the doing. So, so Romans 10 and 10 tells us, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Okay? So, so the kind of righteousness that God looks for is not just intellectual sin to doctrine. It is a condition of the heart, not the mind. A condition of what? The heart and not the mind. Okay? 
Neither is it the observance of just religious rules. Some people are good at observing religious rules. They do it religiously. But you can do anything religiously and your heart not be right toward God. You can walk your dog religiously every morning. But walking your dog doesn't get you in the right standing of God. You can come to church every Sunday. You can, you can take communion. You can, uh, you can stand and sing. But until you give yourself totally to God to be a person who's willing to do the word and not just hear it, then you're not going to be what God wants you to be. He loves you, but you're not where he wants you to be. He loves you, but he can't use you like he wants to use you because you're not sold out to being a doer of the word. Amen? So, so... Uh, so just observing religious rule is not what God is after. Paul had been occupied with religious rules for several years. But when he met Jesus on the road to Damascus, his ambition changed. Go with, if you will, to Philippians, the third chapter. Let's look at verses 89. So the breastplate of righteousness acts as a shield for our heart. Let me ask you a question. And I want y'all to think about this. How many of y'all have ever had your heart hurt? Uh, come on, talk. Let's, I want you to think about a moment in time over your existence through your lifetime when your heart has been broken. Listen to me now, okay? And usually your heart is not necessarily broken by strangers. It's broken by people who you're in relationship with. And I said it on yesterday. A lot of people are not good at relationships. And we got to get better as Christians. I had to get better as a Christian. If I'm going to pass the church, if I'm going to shepherd people, I can't, I can't. Listen, I love, listen, after church, I'll stay and I'll hug and I'll talk. I'm not going to be out that side door because I want to be relational. All right. And learning how to be relational is something that is strange for some people. But I'm, what I'm telling you is, is that if you're going to be like Jesus, he was very relational. He pulled those boys, those 12 disciples up close to him. They did life together. They ate together. Amen. They, they went about, uh, you know, doing ministry together. They, they slept together. Uh, by, by, by that, I mean, they slept together in, 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 in different quarters as they went about doing the work of ministry. So, so if we're going to be obedient to God's word, we have to look, get better at developing relationships. All right. Even no matter how awkward that may seem to you, uh, it's important for you to learn how to communicate with people, to talk to share what you're feeling, what you're thinking, and do it in a God-honoring way. Everybody say God-honoring way. Now watch this. It says, yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counted it all as garbage so that I could do what? Gain Christ. Now Paul had been talking about his accolades as as a Pharisee, his accolades under Judaism, how he was, he was, uh, he was, he was, I, I would say Paul was one of the, the rising superstars in Judaism. He was going about persecuting the church, but he met Jesus on the road to Damascus. And let me tell you something, when you meet Jesus, amen, when you really truly meet him and invite him into your heart, you do not remain the same. Yes, you have struggles. Yes, your flesh is still there. But there should be a noticeable difference in your life when you truly have a relationship with Jesus and not just religion. So Paul had been talking about who he was and his accolades under Judaism. But he says, yes, everything else is worthless. All, 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 the, all the titles, all of the positions, all of the rewards I may have gotten for what I did, 
He said everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counted all as garbage so I could gain Christ. Verse number nine, let's read. And become one with him. I no longer do what? Count on my own righteousness. What does it mean for a person to count on their own righteousness? In other words, we have our little things that we do that make us feel good about ourselves. If I get up and read my devotional, if I pray a little bit, or if I attend Sunday school regularly, or for the mission, then good, I'm okay with God. And yet, and still, we're talking about the heart of man, because if your heart is not right, you can do all these things, but if your heart is all messed up, then God can't use you like he really wants to use you. And he's not pleased with it. He's never pleased with us when our heart is off, off base, okay? Watch this. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on what? Depends on what? What is faith? Now, faith is what? The substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things that are not seen. It is faith in the, in the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. It is accepting his, his sacrifice as the way that we get in right standing with God and not our individual doing. Now, we ought to do good stuff. We are saved unto good works, but good works don't save us. Can I get a witness? All right, so, so, so our hearts are very important. So the breastplate of righteousness is something that we should wear proudly so that it protects our heart because God is after our heart. Look at the next one, the shoes of preparation and peace. Ephesians, the sixth chapter. And look at verse number 15 with me right quick. We're talking about being armed for battle. I told you the other week that it's not advisable to go into battle and don't have the right equipment, right? Um, if you get into a boxing ring, uh, you know, you have boxing gloves and you got to learn how to put those gloves on and learn how to deflect and learn how to cover yourself. If somebody's coming in towards you, there is a method to the madness. How many of y'all ever saw somebody who's untrained get in a boxing ring? Just How many of y'all ever at school saw girl fights? I don't care how tough you are, and I don't care how strong an individual you are, I don't care how many dudes you whipped in your neighborhood, but if you got into the ring with Mike Tyson... In his prime, you were probably in trouble. I think Mike Tyson was the one that said, everybody got a plan until they get in the rain and get hit. <laughs> and then that plan just goes out. When somebody popped you in the jaw, all your strategy goes away. What I'm trying to do is get you prepared, because I'm here to tell you the enemy is coming to pop you in the jaw. The enemy is coming to disrupt your peace. The enemy is coming to try to bring hell into your situation. But I'm going to tell you, if you're armed for battle, you're able to overcome the strategies of the enemy, right? All right, so watch it. So Roman, Roman legionnaires uh, were equipped with some strong sandals. Look at Ephesians 6 and 50. says, for shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be what? Fully prepared. These Roman legionnaires were, were equipped with strong sandals, and that, that made them highly mobile so that they could make long forced marches on short notice. As Christians, guys, we need to be mobile, available to God for his purposes whenever and whenever, whenever and wherever he calls upon us to go to, even on short notice or in unexpected circumstances. But this requires preparation. Everybody say preparation. We must familiarize ourselves with the basic truths of the gospel and how to present those to the unbeliever. Now, 
This is, he says, for shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you'll be fully prepared. We can only communicate the gospel effectively if we have real peace in our hearts. All right, now stop for a second. We can only communicate the gospel effectively when we have real peace in our hearts. One of the things that we did, and I thank God for the study, and I would encourage you to go back and review it. We did a study on emotionally healthy spirituality, and we also did a study on emotionally healthy relationships. I have discovered that many Christians are not as forthright and not as strong in their ministry walk because they have not dealt with some emotional hurts and wounds that they've been carrying many times since childhood. And until you deal with that effectively, it's going gonna, it's gonna to act as a block or wall from you reaching your full potential in Christ. Can I get a witness? So our hearts, amen, hearts got to be right. The preparation of righteousness covers that. And our shoes have to be prepared with the preparation of the gospel of peace, amen. And that comes from knowing God's word and applying God's word in our house, into our hearts. So the shoes of preparation and peace. The next one is called the shield of faith, Ephesians 6 and 16. The shield of faith. Now, the word here, look when Ephesians 6 and says, well, in addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Now, listen, I got to say this because many times when we talk talk about being armed for battle, many times we talk about spiritual warfare, we, we must understand everything that happens in our life is not the devil. We also have to deal with our flesh and we got to deal with the world. What is the world? The world is society as a whole apart from God. All right. Our, what is our flesh? It's our natural inclinations. You know, sometimes we'll blame stuff on the devil. And the devil had nothing to do with it. Right. All right. You saw this fine looking woman. Y'all, y'all caught eyes. Oh, you found you, you saw this fine dude. He was nice and handsome. Look like who? who? Who do y'all want to say? The Rock? Can we say The Rock? Uh, Denzel Washington? See, it's kind of hard for me to talk about a handsome man. I just, something just don't hit right when I'm talking about. So, so ladies, give me a handsome man. Who? Okay, Elgis, okay. Give, give me somebody else. Who? LL Cool J. I hear you, sister. LL Cool J. <laughs> give me one. Give me an old school dude that was handsome. Denzel Washington. Who? Billy D. Oh, Billy D. Billy D. I'm in love with the other woman. My life. Is that him? My life. Oh, who was that? That's Ray Parker Jr. They look alike, don't they? <laughs> Who? Elvis Presley. Oh, Marrera used to love Elvis Presley. <laughs> now listen, I'm a man, but Elvis was a good-looking dude. Now listen, guys, I don't know how we got off on that, but but let me say this. Let me say this. Hear me carefully. Hear me carefully. Watch this. Watch this. See, whenever our flesh is drawing us, 
we will blame it on the devil like Flip Wilson did in his variety show. But see, many times it ain't even the devil, it's just our flesh. So we got to fight against our flesh too. Can I get a witness? That's part of our uh, equipping ourselves. But some stuff we blame on the devil when really it is it's really our flesh. Okay, so we got the world, right? That's society apart from God. And I don't, I don't know about anybody else in this room, but I do not want to live in society, amen. Uh, I don't want to live in this world without having God on my side. And then we have our flesh, which is our natural inclination to do things that we want to do in our flesh. And then we have the devil. And what we're talking about is, is being ready to engage in spiritual warfare because the enemy has strategy that he is designed to disrupt your life. And we need to be aware that spiritual warfare is a real thing. Demons are real. Angelic beings are real. And we got to be prepared to make sure that we are equipped. So we got the breastplate of righteousness. We got the shoes of preparation and peace. We got the shield of faith, okay? Well, which will be able to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. The word translated shield here is connected with the word for door. And it's those, those shields, they have a pretty long, uh, almost, they had a, a strap on them and they would use that, that shield to, to bend down in order to stop those arrows from flying. And many times those arrows had uh, a fire at the tip of them and he would use that shield and bend down below it to protect his body. Now, in order to get protected, you had to be in shape. A Roman soldier couldn't be out of shape. If you were too big, then if your stomach stuck out here, your butt stuck out back there. Come on, somebody. You squatting down, thinking you're okay, and your butt back here, arrow hits butt, you're uncovered. They had to be in shape. Come on, am I painting a picture for you? All right, the shield of faith. The soldier had to be fit for battle, amen? And we have to be spiritually fit to engage in spiritual warfare. But herein lies the problem. I told you the other week, the average Christian is not engaging uh, in studying God's word. And it's the word of God that renews our mind to get us in position to be able to walk with God. You cannot understand the things of God through your natural inclinations. It's the spirit of God through the word of God that gives us revelation about God's will for our life. Can I get a witness? And so we got to make sure that we are there. Our shield of faith. Go, Will. Uh, well, we don't we want to turn that, but the Bible talks about faith coming by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And if I have no word, then I, I don't really have faith. The interesting thing to me is, is that Brother Al, we, 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 we put faith in a lot of things in life without even realizing that it's faith that we're exhibiting in things in life. I said before, nobody checked whether or not those chairs were sturdy enough to hold you before you sat down. Did, you, did anybody come in there and just sit down and, and, and check it? And, uh, because sometimes you can sit in a chair that, that may not be sturdy, but you believe in the engineering of the manufacturer for that chair and you sat down without any thought that that chair was going to hold you. And you've seen it hold some other people. You may have saw somebody who's a little bit heavier than you. You said, if it held them, it can hold me, right? 
So faith, you had faith in that thing, and we exhibit faith in a lot of things, and all God is asking is for a people, a person whom we can show himself strong toward. The Bible says the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the earth trying to find a man or a woman whom he can show himself strong toward. Who can he show himself strong toward? The man or woman who will trust him and take him at his word. And that's where faith comes in. Now, so, so, so if I'm going to be a man or woman of faith, then that means that I got to have word that produces faith. It's not blind faith. It's faith in the word of God, trusting that God's word is true. And then when he promises something, when he tells me something, then I do it. There's a scripture that says, give and it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, with men given to your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet out, it'll be measured back unto you again. So if I truly trust that, if I have faith in the word of God there, then when God prompts me to give or to sow into someone's life, then I know that God will bless me back and I will have sufficiency in my own life if I trust that word. Now, what's the, what's, what's the thing that's going to determine whether I trust it or not? It's obedience. I can say all day long that I trust God's word, but if I'm not willing to act on it, I don't really believe what I say. Right? I don't really believe what I say because the, the, the test of true faith is corresponding action that lines up with the thing I say I believe. Can I get a witness? All right, so, so, so the shield of faith is able to quench all the fiery darts of wickedness. Because there are going to be some times, guys, listen to me carefully. There's going to be some things that's going to happen in your life, situations that's going to come up that you're not going to be able to see fully what's happening. But you got to trust that the God that you serve has your back. You got to trust that he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all you can ask or think according to the power of God that works in you. I got to trust that even though I can't see it, God, you got my back. And so I'm going to move based on what you said, not how I feel. See, that's what faith is. You know, faith is, a, you know, we, we got to have faith. Go with me right quick. Hebrews 11 chapter right quick. Let's go to right. Hebrews 11. Y'all know this, but I want y'all to see it for the, again. Go with me to Hebrews, the 11th chapter, and let's look at verse number six. Now, go to verse one, verse one, verse one. Let's go to verse, Hebrews 11, verse one. Oh, Jason, you, you cold, brother. You're already there. Let's go to, um, watch this. Now, again, you got to ask yourself this question. Am I really living my life by faith? Because it says the shield of faith will quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. So as a Christian, I have to learn how to walk by faith. It is not natural for you to walk by faith. It's natural for you to walk by what you see and what you've been taught by your mom, your dad, and all those other things. Those things are cool in their place. But if you're going to move with God, if God is going to do some supernatural things through you, you got to be willing to walk by faith. How many of y'all remember the, the Battle of Jericho? Let me see your hands. You, you grew up in, in church. You remember the Battle of Jericho? When I think about the Battle of Jericho, God's people were facing an enemy, and God gave them the most unusual battle strategy. It was so unusual. I mean, I'm sure that there were some who were doubting the, the validity of the message that was passed on to them. But God told Joshua and those boys, here's what I want you to do. 
This is a fortified city, and in those days, in order to protect the city, they built big walls around them. Sometimes they were 20 feet tall and, and 10 feet thick. And so we had the Battle of Jericho. Here's the battle strategy. For once a day, I want you to walk around and say anything. Just walk around it. Do that for six days. And on the seventh day, I want you to walk around it seven times, and I want you to shout. Now, what kind of battle strategy is that? See, faith don't make sense. It just works. So they did that. They, for once a day, they walked around there. I oftentimes say that many of y'all would be in trouble, 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 trouble. Because they said, don't say a word. Some of y'all can't. You talk too much and you never shut up. Watch this. Once a day, don't say a word. Seven days, go around seven times, and then shout. Well, that's a problem for some of y'all because, uh, listen, I grew up in a very conservative church, and we don't shout in our church. We come quiet for the Lord, and we're dignified, and we can't say that. After all, I'm educated. I'm educated, too. I got a degree from the Louisiana Tech University in Russia, Louisiana, a degree in finance. But listen, I consider myself to be fairly intelligent. I'm not the smartest, but I'm certainly not the dumbest guy in the world. And I know that I, there are times when I got to shout, I got to cry, I got to get a little undignified because God has been too good for me, too good to me for me not to be willing to clap my hands, shout with the voice of triumph and do exactly what he told me to do. So every now and then I'm, I'm, you know, I just have to let it loose. Y'all just say pray for him, pray for him. But when I watched this, that was, a, that was a, a tenuous, didn't make sense battle plan. But when they did what God told them to do and stopped trying to explain away what God told them to do, they experienced victory in Jericho. The walls came tumbling down. They went in and attacked the enemy and took the city. There's some things happening in your life that God says, I need you to do this. It don't make sense to your, to your folks. It may not make sense to your wife. It may not make sense to your husband. It may not make sense to your children. But if it lines up with God's word and you know he's speaking to your spirit to do a certain thing, you move with God. Because I've learned when you move with God, he'll provide. Watch this. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. So there are going to be some times when God's going to say, I need you to do this. And you can't see the results. You can't see why he would take, do that, but learn to be obedient. The children of Israel oftentimes didn't understand God's plan, but they moved when he said move. When they had quality leaders leading the nation, they moved at God's command. Faith is a confidence that we have, that we hope for it will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. Next verse says this, through their faith, the people in the days of old earned a good reputation. Next verse says, by faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at what? God's command. He just spoke the word and it happened. That we, that what we know, that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. Watch this. It was by what? Faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man and God showed his approval of his gifts. Although Abel is long dead, he still speaks to us by his example of faith. Next verse says this. It was by what? 
faith that Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. Man, the dude was just translated. Man, I, I would love to go that way. Just be here one day, just gone. Just beam me up, Lord. Watch this. He disappeared because what? God took him. For before he was taken up, guess what? He was known as a person. I want to know if I were to ask your contemporaries, if I were to ask people who work with you, if I were to ask people who live with you, if I were to ask people who really know you, would they describe you as a person? Would you be known as a person who pleased God? Don't even, don't even, listen, listen, think about that for a second. The people who know you best, would they say that you are a person who pleased God? Look at the next verse, verse six. Here's what I was getting to. Watch this. And it is what? It is what? It is what? To please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who do what? who sincerely seek him, the shield of faith, guys. So, 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 so faith is, here's how you know you're walking in faith when you can't see the answer. Let's say, for instance, if, if you need to buy a, a piece of equipment, you need, you, you need another one of those zero-turn lawnmowers and more. You're like, Kenny, how much one of those zero-turns costs on average? About $10,000, okay? All right, so, and, and, and you needed the zero-turn to start your business because you lawn cutting business. Now listen, if you have $15,000 in the bank, you don't need faith to get $10,000 because you already got it in the bank. You can see it, right? Right? But if you want to start your own lawn care business and, and, and that's really pressing your spirit and God says, you're clear that God is saying, go into this business because I'm going to prosper you uh, and, and all you have is $2,000, you need some faith, right? Because you can't see how two adds up to 10. But God has a way of working things out. And maybe it was a neighbor that, that from, from your church or somebody from your church or somebody who, who had a, the, 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 you know, a lawnmower that they, they no longer utilized and it was, it was like new because they, they didn't get it. They, they bought it to cut it, but then they got lazy and they hired somebody else to cut it and they wanted to get rid of it. And all of a sudden they tell you, well, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll give you that more for $2,000. That's all you had. But, you know, when you stood in faith at 10, you didn't see it, but God made a way for it to happen at 2. Can I get a witness up here? Has God ever cut the price for you? I need somebody in this place who saw God make a way out of no way. I need somebody in this place who saw God work a miracle. Man, I've seen it do it time and time again in my life. I've seen him make a way out of no way. I've seen him. Maria, you, you can testify to the fact that, that God has done some supernatural things in our life. And so we've learned how to trust him. As I oftentimes say, you should have caught me before I saw the move of God in my life. You can't convince me what God won't do because I got a personal testimony, Barney. I've seen him do supernatural things in my life. And so I'm, I, listen, I, hey, I don't have to understand it to, to move on it. And that's what God is looking for somebody who says, here's what the word says. The battle strategy is to walk around the city. I don't understand it, but God, you said I'm going to do it. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of the thing that you cannot see or visualize or understand with your natural thinking. So I want to ask you a question. When's the last time you walked by faith? Mm-hmm. 
And without faith, Hebrews is impossible to do what? Please God. So the shield of faith is very important. Our shield of faith must be complete in all this dimension. It must cover our total personality, our spirit, soul, and body. Because we are three-part being. Y'all know that, right? We're first and foremost spirit. We have a soul, and we live in a body. See, when, when we die a physical death, here's what happens. There's a separation of the spirit man from the physical body. The body goes back to the grave. Our spirit man goes to be with Christ if we're born again believer. Because to be absent from the body is to be what? Present with the Lord. So that's what happens at, at physical death. All right? Are y'all with me? Physical death is nothing more than a separation. And so when we see that happen, guys, I want you to understand something. That God, God is wanting to do some supernatural things in our life, but many times we don't move because we can't see. And God says, if you're ever going to do anything significant for me, it's going to be through the avenue of faith. We are spirit, soul, and body. Everybody say spirit, spirit. Soul, soul, and body. Our spirit man is what's regenerated, is what's born again, okay? Our soul realm, which includes our, our intellect, our thinking, our feelings, our emotions, that has to be renewed, Right? Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. I got to start thinking differently. So the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation. Watch this. He, Ephesians 6 and 17. Let's get back there right quick. Ephesians 6 and 17, the helmet of salvation. Just as the breastplate protects our hearts, so the helmet of salvation protects our minds, our thought life. And guys, let me tell you something. Our thought life has to be protected. And I am going to stop here because I don't want to get into this Right quick, because I want to I want to deal with our thinking next week. I want to deal with our thinking. One of the things uh, uh, that God told me, and, and, and brother brother Thorne came in. This brother has been a missionary. He came and, and talked to me this morning in the office and said he'd been watching us online. And he says you've been hearing about the message of unity that we've been preaching that's, that, that, is, is, that encompasses the entire uh, gospel message and what that means. The unity of believers coming together into one body, one body, amen, that's standing around the throne of God, as Revelation said, men from every tongue, tribe, and nation. And he says he actually experiences that on the mission field. Are y'all with me? And that message of unity that sometimes we can't see with the natural eye because people have allowed, amen, their own feelings to block God's message of hope for the church. And I'm one who believes with all my heart, mind, and soul that when we come together on the common ground of Christ, when it's about the blood and not me, when it's about what Jesus wants and not what I want, then we'll begin to see God move in supernatural ways in this church. So listen. I am foolish enough to go with God. I am foolish enough to, to know that I heard God, first of all, in what he told me to be the bridge builder. I, that, that's with everything that's in me, and I cannot be true to what I know God told me to do. And so I'm preaching that message because it's the gospel message. It's the message for the church. And when we see it manifesting, we can say that, that go to power of God. Oh, let me give you something. I got to go. Remember, I told y'all, I told y'all, I, I, I told y'all, I said, just mark it down. Remember, I was walking around the church, and the Holy Spirit just dropped in my spirit about property. Now, sometimes when we hear God, we can miss him a little bit. We, I know I heard him, 
And I, what I thought I heard him say, and I think it's still going to be there, he says, offer a certain amount for this property over here, okay? We want five acres, so I'm walking, hearing God. The guy who owns the property pulls up while I'm walking. I'm like, God, it must be you. <laughs> Why did he come at the exact time that I'm thinking about this property over there? And so we talked a little bit. So I, I, we, we gave him the price that we were looking for. He was about $5,000 per acre above that, okay? And so um, and, and won't buzz. And it's been, it's been for sale for 20 years, y'all. And the reason why it's been for sale for 20 years is because it's priced too high. Well, lo and behold, the family that owns 3.3 acres on this side of us, I've been talking with them back and forth for the last 20 years. Then all of a sudden, bam, they're ready to sell. And guess what? They're ready to sell that at, 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 at $20,000 per acre less you don't hear me, than what this guy wants over here. Now listen, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just saying, God, okay, God, I didn't, I, I said, God, okay, God, all right, all right, God, so if we get three more three over here, maybe we want two over here. If we get two over here, the price we want over here, and still it would average out what we got paid for that, and what we paid for that would be less than the $35,000 per acre, what I thought I heard the Lord say. It would still be less. But I ain't worried about that, because see, if I got, if we got 3.38 over here, we can do more. We, we can do a whole lot with that. Amen. Because we already sitting on three acres and we doubling what we got to know what God. And by the way, we're closing on that Wednesday. All I know is that I serve a God who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask of thee. Yes, Lord. Oh, he'll do it. He'll do it. I told you, you should have caught me before I, before I learned how to walk by faith. I, listen, ain't nothing too hard for God. Won't he do it? I said, won't he do it? Have you seen him do it? Has he worked in your way? Has he made a way out of no way? Has he turned a midnight into day? Has he heal your body. Come on, Maria Adams. Has he, has he, has he regulate your troubled mind? Anybody been about to go crazy because of the pressures of life and then God came in and settled you? Oh! He'll do it. All right. My time is up. Next week, we're going to talk about your thinking. Our thinking. How to transform our thinking to connect with God's way of thinking because that's possible. God says, uh, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Yes, so we got to start thinking differently. Yes. Father, we thank you.